Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, and transit, adventures and life hacks, and today, getting physical. With pedal PT. Oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. What, what were you going to go with? I, I was, well, I was using the pause, like, oh. like kind of to comedic effect. Drum oh. roll. I was like, let's Whoa. get physical. Pause. Therapy. Ooh, I like it. I, I jumped your gun. <laughs> That's all right. I was just so excited. <laughs> We've got Ish and Kevin in the studio with us today. Welcome, gentlemen, both to the show. Hello. Thanks so much. And um, before we get into uh, Aaron and I's week here, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Oh, man, I guess I'll go first. So my name is Kevin Schmidt. Uh, I guess I'm a physical therapist, and that's what I do for a living. I'm also a father and a, and a husband as well. Uh, I own a business called Pedal PT, and we're physical therapists, and we also provide bike fitting services and other cycling-related uh, services to keep cyclists pain-free and happy and cycling for whatever level of cycling they want to do. So we've been open for since 2012, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. Indeed. And my name is Ishtvan. I go by Ish. Seems to be easier for most people. And also a physical therapist, fairly new to Portland. I'm uh, originally from Hungary, lived in Las Vegas of the desert, and uh, in my way up here. Uh, what do I do when I'm not physical therapizing people i guess i'm racing bikes and wearing a lot of spandex That's, that, that sums me up for the most part <laughs> nice well pleasure to have you in the studio this nice sweltering afternoon thanks for thanks for joining us and yeah. what have what have you been up to this week aaron <clears throat> oh this week has been a week of uh sitting in my apartment a little with, bit of r and r yeah well just trying to avoid the heat Yes, and we should mention it broke um, 100 degrees in Portland for the first time in 2018, just yesterday. Yeah. And I didn't even bother checking for today, but it feels like it's taking another go at that record. So last I looked, it was 97. Nice. I mean... You know, might as well be a hundred. Right? Ninety-seven, schmindy-seven. <laughs> right. That's what Aaron says. And when you're in an airstream with no ventilation, or anything, you, know, just, you know, you can just do the math. You can see how sweaty and exactly. oily we look right now through this yeah. through the radio. You know, the funny thing is, is these windows under. If this was like a normally working um, airstream, they would vent out. Um, but for because you know we've got equipment in here. We actually sealed the windows <laughs> and we're, we're kind of kicking ourselves now. Nice. <laughs> hmm. Or we're sweating. Um, or, we're sweating yeah, ourselves. We're sweating it out. Cleanse. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, is it like super, super comfortable in the winter when it's rainy and you guys, you guys just cozy up in here? Is that how it works? No, <laughs> you'd like to think so. <laughs> I think it's pretty cozy, but I'm, I've always been You're okay with the, the cold. cold. Yeah. 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 And right now is right now is when I start to uh, lose inanity or, or lose the the inaneness of my statements. I'll do like a audio throwback to one of the first times we recorded here um, in the studio in this location was during one of those winter snowfalls, mm. and you were the guest actually. Yeah, that was just after India. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And you showed up in your your essentially a parka. Yep. <laughs> and you had the the hood on the whole time. I was comfy as a caterpillar. <laughs> you, you looked very comfy. Yeah. I, I was not. It's it's my my theory goes is you can only put 
You can always put more clothes on. If it's too hot, you can only take so many clothes off. So I don't know. I've always been always been a fan of That's the colder true. end of the spectrum there. Um, how are you doing in the heat, Aaron? Uh, I went to the Sandy River on Friday. Nice. Uh, by car, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because have you been to Oxbow? I have. Yeah. Okay. Jane and I were actually there two weeks ago. I rode ago. my bike there once. Mm-hmm. Getting to Oxbow is fine. Coming out of Oxbow by bicycle? Not as fine. No. Okay. <laughs> have you guys ever been out there? No, that I guess not. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. There's, there's just a really long, windy hill. And not in the cool sense where you're coming out of the gorge. Mm-hmm. It's kind just of the backside. Yeah, yeah. It just takes and takes and takes. Mm-hmm. And once you reach the top, you still have to keep going. Like, there's not that satisfaction of a rest point. Mm. You know, like, uh, what is that? The, the Vista House. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, historic yeah. highway, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good, a good fifteen hundred or fifteen hundred foot climb to more climbing. Yes, or something like that. Well, yeah. just you realize, like, oh yeah, I'm still like south of Gresham mm-hmm. or east of Gresham, and I still have to keep going into Portland for another twenty miles or so. Yeah, definitely. Almost makes you want to cut north and just take a take a max in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> that. That a smart person would do that. Anyways, I went by car this time because of that, um, and. Yeah, just sat in the river all day, and it was cool, and it was nice. nice. Yeah, the Sandy River is a really good one for tubing, too. It's a misnomer, by the way. Is it? There's so many rocks in that river. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not true. sandy at all. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. I feel like when you get up the river a little bit, it's like a lot of rivers close to Portland are this way. Like you, you, you can slowly reduce the number of people that you interact with the further up you go. So I, I usually choose sandy and you start at the first one you're like well that's that's some people and then you sort of go up and you're like oh i could like find a patch in the middle of nowhere along that but it's it's such a popular river for tubing i feel like it's um oh yeah Yeah, crowded most of the time but in a really nice way because you get to say hi to everybody as they float down the river yeah people are really friendly when they're on inner tubes oh for sure it's, it's the cooler trailing behind them that probably helps a little bit as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, there might be some, some reason to that. <laughs> and they're very relaxed. Mm-hmm. I did see one of the most interesting, like, tubing or floats, or I don't know what you would call it. Interesting. Yes. I, did I say interesting with the four You syllables? did. Okay. I had to count that out for a second. Um, it was a giant unicorn, and there were, like, three kids on it. And it's like, I don't know, maybe about half the length of this airstream. Mm. It was huge. Nice. I wonder if there could be a um, tubing on land, like Pedal Palooza ride or something like that, where everybody gets your, your float gear, but then you just bike around you town with it. You just bike with it? That would yep. be pretty awesome. Because then if you encounter a river, it's like, sweet, already there. I, I think we got an after, after Palooza ride already. This could be yeah. Fir- yeah. Your first amphibian ride. Ooh. Somehow Ooh. made yes. the float actually float and mm-hmm. pedal it. Get get a bike that doesn't mind having wet bottom brackets. <laughs> yep. the, it well, can be done. Yeah, it can be done. <laughs> I, too, spent a lot of time trying to dodge the heat. The The Sandy River was a portion of it. Um, but Jane and I, speaking of rivers, actually got a chance to go to the Wilson River last weekend, which is kind of I on the... I don't even know where that is. It's the west side of Portland. So there's Highway 30, which most folks will take headed coastbound. And then Highway 6 has the Wilson River along its stretch. And so... For that one, um, Highway 6 has always been my favorite way to get to the coast on a bike yeah. because you can trade a little bit of shoulder clearance for reduced traffic. And so while there's a couple of gnarly spots, um, I, I far prefer it to just getting past every 15 seconds on Highway 30. Sure. Well, and you were out midweek? 
Yeah, we were at midweek. Yeah, so it, it was real easy then. I'm it, sure. Well, and and similar to you, this particular time we drove um, due to just a little bit, little bit of logistics getting back into town. But I think the past like five or six times I've been out that direction, we were biking it. So it's kind of my favorite overnight spot because you can do a really, really nice sort of two day weekend if you bike out to Tillamook. And then it's, I think it's like five bucks or something like that. You can ride the wave back in and it drops you right at the Amtrak station, which is awfully convenient if you don't want to bike back up the hill that you just biked down. (laughs) Um, But the Wilson River is great. It's got really good rock features. The river is, it does run relatively cold. Like it's definitely colder than the Sandy, um, but it has a lot of neat, really deep pool stretches. So it's good for jumping into. And if you are a fan of um, sand, there's some to be had. There's rocks as well. Um, but it's home to Keenig Creek Campground, which is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated campgrounds for cycling in Oregon. Say that five times fast. Keenig Creek, Keenig Creek, Keenig Creek, Keenig Creek. I've practiced. Nice. <laughs> I, I didn't actually practice. You probably practice. Ex- expected this. this, this and that's just off of, off of six? Yeah, just off oh, of no, six no, there. Good. So you had um, the, my favorite way to do it is to cheat a little bit slash not cheat and take public transit just out to the end of the blue line so it's just a fast forward man oh it's true yeah it's and then from there um it's it's just about seven miles if you want to cut up to highway 30 or excuse me highway six first um but typically i'll go out tv 57 hit forest grove there's a really great thai place in town and with lunch in tow it's it's just a it's an afternoon slog up a hill and then the really fun thing about six is you know those hills where you feel like you work just a little bit to get up to the top, but then on the backside of it, it just goes and goes and goes. Uh, that is Highway 6, and that's actually my favorite thing about it is you – it feels like you that's barely That's your favorite to, thing about it. Yeah. you. It feels like as soon as you go over the top of it, it's one of those that you just don't really have to pedal after oh, you okay. summit out yeah, of yeah. it. So nice. it's, it's essentially like a coast down to – the coast <laughs> coast to the coast coast to the coast that'd be that'd be my ride <laughs> but yeah we went um out to the uh wilson river hung out a little bit they've got a really neat forestry center out there which has a lot of history about the tillamook burn which happened i think it was uh, back in the 40s 50s maybe mm-hmm. um, but a lot of replanting efforts that now serves as that state forest that we see today so pretty neat space wow wow i'm gonna have to check this out then yeah. Oh, totally. I, I, um, recalling back to our episode that we had with Phil of Axiom, he was talking about that, uh, sort of trask route that does a bunch of back roads, like right. mountain biking. So that, that still is on my list to do this summer because that sounded like probably the funnest way to do it. But I think mm-hmm. Highway 6 is the funnest, fast way to do it that I've been <laughs> right. able to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been nice too because I think whether you're striking westbound or eastbound from Portland, there's really good transit this summer, especially with the Gorge Express running oh, every day of the week. Yes. Yes, the Gorge Express. And had we had that uh, on the news yet? Or I think with uh, we've talked about it, okay. and we've certainly had the people from the Gorge Express. No, Heidi. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yes, yep. we did. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> it's the heat. It is. It's. Uh, we turned the AC off all of maybe ten minutes ago, according to however long this recording's been going yeah. so far. <laughs> and already, it's probably above 85 in the airstream yeah. here. It's like a tin can. Yeah, you need but, like a little thermometer kind of up to do. See, like, oh, I'm going to undo another we, button in the shirt. We now. should get yeah. Fleur to send nice. us like a heat cam and we can like live stream ha- the temperature just rising. Oh, my God. around us. See how crazy we get as it gets oh, hotter. Yeah. Infrared cam. Well, yeah. well, trust me, it'll get it'll get crazier yet. We're, we're just getting into it here. <laughs> well, you know a place Guaranteed. where it might get a little bit crazy, but it won't get hot? I do. 
Where would that be? That would be the beer mongers. On Southeast Division and 12th? And Southeast Division and 12th. <laughs> and you know, as a matter of fact, when I was getting beer yesterday, yes. it was dang cool in the beer mongers. In I fact, bet. I would say it was downright chilly. I'm sure I they had that like, roller leave. door closed. Yeah, it was totally closed. Sure. Keeping it, yeah, yeah, keeping it all nice and cool. Oh, there. yeah. I almost, I mean, because they're open so late, I almost just stayed there and like <laughs> thought about sleeping and then biking to work the next morning because when you're in Southeast and you live in Northeast and you and you walk into probably the, the coolest air conditioning on Southeast Division and 12th, then uh, it just makes you want to hang around, maybe have a beer for a while. So thanks to our generous sponsors the beer mongers for yes. providing our beverages cheers. um thank you, thank oh, you beer mongers cheers cheers. Yeah. cheers cheers guys clink clink i don't know clink. Awesome. <laughs> what are you having over there ish uh, i am enjoying the stable genius which is a hazy india pale ale full of flavor billions and billions of hops believe me the aroma is huge nice nice i am drinking the Red Hazy Skies from, this looks like Yakima Craft Brewing Company. First one I've ever had before mm-hmm. from them. And it's actually quite nice. A little hazy, but a little malty as well. And mm-hmm. very nice. Excellent. Oh, you know what I'm drinking is a kombucha from the good people at Lionheart. And that is the ginger fix today. Thank you for that choice, by the way. Oh, yeah. Ginger. It was all they had, and it was exactly the right choice. <laughs> it's what I need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I figured. I, I There was a grin upon my face. <laughs> I am I am having a squirt, which on our sweltering day is just how I was feeling like having. So <laughs> yeah. It's like a oh. squirt commercial over <laughs> it here. Is. Guthrie, oh, like, totally. you know, tipping back this bottle of squirts. Da, 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 yeah, da, da. It's just, yeah. I, we missed the, the bottle cap uh, pop, but oh, yeah, we didn't we'll, we'll get it next time. <laughs> Cool. Well, we have brought you here to talk about rivers and about driving to them, but we've also brought you here to talk about PT and um, mm-hmm. a little bit about what Pedal PT's been up to. So, Kevin, why don't why don't you launch us in and um, perhaps before we get <clears throat> too much into it, there, tell us a little bit about sort of Pedal PT and, and sort of what the the idea was behind and and, and the genesis for what you yeah. folks do. Yeah, so it's kind of a fun story. You know, I started out as a PT just like. Anybody else would, you know, I kind of drove my car to the job every day and I'd always, you know, wanted to ride a bike to work every day. I think all of us aspire to be able to ride every day and, you know, took a couple of jobs and end up finding myself in traffic all the time. I was commuting to a clinic in Tualatin every day and I was spending my commute was getting up to, you know, two hours a day. Um, and my son was getting about ready to be born. It was 2007 and, uh, traffic was getting bad. I mean, I can't even imagine uh, what highway five is like oh, gosh, uh, yeah, yeah, from going, 2007 to going northbound <laughs> from coming back into town from Tualatin and right now, I can't even imagine, but at yeah. times, you know, it would take me an hour, hour and 20 minutes. And I just sat there in traffic, got super aggravated. Uh, I got super road ragey. And, uh, at that time I was helping to manage five clinics in the Portland area. Uh, we had opened up one in Bend. So a little bit higher stress, higher, uh, I was just kind of getting stressed out, uh, with that lifestyle. And I knew I I didn't make a change and I was, had wanted to be able to ride. My father was a cyclist and I was just grew up with bikes. And so I ended up taking a massive pay cut and took a job about three miles from my house mm-hmm. so I could ride a bike every day. And that, per, that turned out to be the game changer right there. I started mm-hmm. riding my bike every day, uh, every day, every day, uh, rain or shine, just like we all do now. Um, and little did I know I'd never ride a bike to an office for the rest of my, you know, to this day, you know? And so from one thing led to another, riding was great. I was healthy. I was fitter. 
Um, I was just felt more alive and more aware with my patients, um, except my neck started hurting. And, you know, I thought that was kind of odd. You know, I'm only riding three miles a day. You know, I'm just like a commuter. I'm not racing or anything like that. My mm-hmm. neck started hurting. My back started hurting. And what that started to teach me and started, you know, kind of go through is started to ask people. I was like, you know, do you hurt too? And they're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also in pain. And so, I soon realized that as a as a cyclist that's in pain, you basically had two options. I could go to a medical provider that knew a lot about my body, uh, but knew nothing about cycling. They just said, "Well, just stop riding your bike," and, and I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And and then I talked to uh, you know some other people, some uh, bike shop employees who you know were bike fitters, and they're like, "Well, uh, you know," and they kind of raised my bars and did different things like that. And I just came to realize that they didn't really know much about my body. So here we had people that knew a lot about the body, the health side of the body, but then they didn't know much about kind of the bike side. And then we knew people with a ton about bikes and equipment and equipment choices, but nothing about the body. And so from that, I kind of just started realizing uh, what a good niche there was. And I myself just wanted to get to the bottom of why I was hurting. It was basically selfishly. I just wanted to figure out why I was hurting. And so I basically started diving into kind of what I come to come to find out was what we call bike fitting and kind of how your body uh, and your posture on the bike and how your saddle position, your bar position influences your body. And so to make a long story short, I was sold a bike that was too small for me. So there really wasn't a whole lot I could do uh, with my bike fit setup. And then I started to kind of take continuing education on bike fitting. Uh, there's absolutely no education whatsoever in any medical school or PT school mm. or physio school at all that has to do with cyclists or managing cycling injuries. And there's some mm. very specific things that we see being bicyclists that are common for cyclists. And so I started to dive into that and kind of became Portland's first certified bike PT uh, in 2009, 2010, um, and started fitting uh, people at the clinic in addition to combining it with physical therapy. So one thing led to another. Uh, my father passed away, which was horrible. My grandmother passed away, also horrible, six months later. Um, and I realized at that time that, you know, life is too short. Uh, I was very passionate about this whole bike PT concept. And I kind of just was like, I'm going for it. And I basically opened a clinic in 2012 called Pedal PT, which mm-hmm. combines the medical side, the health side of us knowing your body in and out, what causes injuries, the ability to diagnose, the ability to treat that as well as combining that with a passion for cycling, the ability to manipulate, use, you know, wrenches and things like that to to move the bicycle around to get people happy and pain-free and to try to debunk the myth that pain is part of riding a bicycle. So mm. we started that in 2012. And so that's kind of what we've been doing is kind of combining the PT side, the bike fit side. Um, and it's been really, really great. We've been growing and growing. Uh, we hired Ish about a year or so ago and our clinic has just been exploding. And so, uh, yeah, we're slowly but surely expanding. And um we're slowly growing, uh, hopefully nationally here and very oh, shortly. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's exciting news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Ish, how did, how did you get involved or how did you land in Portland? Yeah. So my little story here is I sort of, um, grew up in Hungary, some fairly small town, you know, bike was typically the way you got around to begin with. Um, just the way of life is different. Most families don't have two cars like in the States. So mm. even having one car is, is kind of a, not so much a luxury, but, you know, you have to have a need for it. Okay. You know. So anyways, you know, bike was part of life and we always biked around. And then I moved um, to a different city, went to high school there. And then in the process, my family sort of uh, left to the States and we landed in Las Vegas, out of all places. Um, and it's then, reminding me of Las Vegas today. Yeah. Somehow. So this is actually totally. quite cool for Las Vegas. <laughs> this, is, this is like the, the springtime. But... um. So through Vegas, um, I kind of biked, but it's definitely more of a out of necessity, which is kind of unorthodox in Vegas. You know, people typically take the school bus or whatever. But, you know, I was into basketball, so I had to stick around after the bus was gone. So I stuck with the bike. 
So I became a bit of a, I became the fixie, fixie person. Okay. <laughs> Did that for a while. And then even in college, it's almost kind of fun to hang out with the crowd. It's a lot of fun. And um, after that, I, um, I was always into sports and physiology. My major undergrad was kinesiology. And then after that, uh, I kind of worked a little bit. Also commuted here and there. And then finally going to physical therapy school. Once again, kept the commuting going. And then finally finished school. And then a bit of a crossroads. I knew I, Vegas has been fun, but it's time, it's time to go. And then that's when I really go into road cycling. And that's when uh, I call it the Fondo phase, you know, the centuries yeah. and that kind yeah. of stuff. And that was super fun. And then well, I knew I had to transition out of, the, out, of the, out of Vegas. So I got my Missouri license out of all places and my last clinical in Missouri. And um, ironically, the two days before I, I left town, I br- had a serious, serious crash. Uh, oh, no. It does rain in Las Vegas and it gets really slippery. <laughs> oh, no. So oh, yeah, because it rains so, I'm sure, right. so rarely that there's a bunch mm-hmm. of buildup like of film, oil. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah you, you yeah. called it. So yeah. I was with a friend of mine, one of my best friends, and he convinced me to go on one more ride after my U-Haul was packed. And then, oh, wow. And then literally we were going to this roundabout around that we do all the time, and he goes down really fat, really hard. Yeah. And then I just kind of follow his, 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 uh, his example. And it's a really awkward fall, and mm. and they're breaking an elbow really bad. So oh. working as a physical therapist in hospital is kind of out of question. Oh wow! At that point, so you know, pretty bummed out. You know, out of school, no job. So I had to just kind of reevaluate what I want to do. But uh, I kind of stuck with it. Stayed in Vegas. Um, found a job that was sort of um aligning with my values as far as not seeing too many people and still giving the care. And I was very grateful for that job out of school and uh, allowed me to sort of stick with the training and biking. So kind of getting more and more and more into it in the road, road cycling and performance and that kind of thing. And it got to the point when, you know, just like Kevin's example, things got a little achy uh, with the, you know, continuous pedaling and that kind of stuff. So looked into more and more fitting and how does this biomechanics things work out so was, that was more of my weaker points and as a, as a physical therapist early on is as um i was good with the physiology and then and then improving my patient care and then dealing with people but the physics and the mechanics part was always kind of lacked so i need some mm. i need some extra help here so i went through the same program that kevin did out of seattle and um the gentleman that teaches the program uh, bike pt is the is the training program he's he's been he's done a really good job so through faith and, and that connection, I got to meet um, Kevin's old employee, uh, PT. And then that's how I got pedal PT on the map. Nice. And then, you know, years have gone by and, and Vegas has been fun. And I was really engrossed with the community. And um, But I got to the point that, you know, I was doing fittings on the side. And since then, I transitioned to a hospital setup. So it was really good with schedule. And by working in the ICU, it's a little... A little bit redundant, kind of heavy uh, emotionally oh, yeah. and physically. Yeah. So, yeah, I was working, you know, four, three days a week, which is great. But um got to a point that as a professional um, or my professional aspect of the whole thing got started lacking a little bit. Mm. And then I felt like this is getting too redundant. I'm losing a lot of skills that I need to want to maintain. So I needed to find a job in Vegas, which is the kind of job that I was looking for. It wasn't there. I didn't really have the... 
um, emotional, physical energy to start the kind of job at that point. So, because I was so into training and racing mm-hmm. and traveling with that. So I was like, okay, I need to go to a city where that exists already. So at least it's oh, yeah. a little easier on my energy. So my siblings, uh, luckily planted their flags in two of the cool cities in the U.S. So my brother lives in Austin, Texas. And then my sister lives here in Portland. Okay. So I knew I was going to be one of those cities. And, um, what it came down to is the, pretty much the location a little bit, you know, very similar mm-hmm. cities, very mm-hmm. similar mindsets and people, which is great. But, um, around Austin, the bad, first of the weather, the weather is hot. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't want to go from Vegas to Austin yeah. Yeah. off the bat. So well, and I had to cool down, you know? It's more humid in Austin, right? Humid and then warm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just different. Mm-hmm. So I figured the Northwest would be fun. I did have a clinical in Corvallis back in the day, so that was oh, a good right. introduction to yeah. to our Oregon. So, made my way up here, and then ironically, hopefully, I'm not going too long here. You're but good. Ironically, uh, <laughs> we're we're webcast, so we can go as long as we want. Edit, edit the whole thing, <laughs> cut this out, shorten that. <laughs> but essentially, it's super ironic on top of that. So I knew of pedal PT um, from the physical therapist that Kevin was working with. But I had no idea where it was. Like mm. he just told me, yeah, it's some Southeast clinic. I'm like, oh, cool. So uh, I moved to Portland with no job. I just found this part-time job in um, the South. Oh, I guess it's Montevilla area. Uh-huh. But my mm-hmm. commute took me on Clinton. So one morning I'm going to work, and then this dude out there waving a flag. Do you get a high five? That was before the high five. Oh, okay. <laughs> we only so do the I high five once, once a year, Guthrie. Okay. It's just once a but year. He told, high five. So he, yeah, told we'll about about the high five. he told me Wait, about the high five. He told me about the high five. So the yeah. third Thursday in April every year is National High Five Day. Oh, it's a, snap. It's a real, it's a real it, holiday. It's a real thing. Is it in May? It's in April. Okay. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a few months, you know, but uh, yeah, so, thir- so I don't know what it is. I heard it somewhere. I mean, this was back even before I even was, you know, bike commuting and everything. I always loved National High Five Day. And I really figured uh-huh. that I felt like it should be Portland's like national holiday. I mean, okay. like it's just like yeah. everybody loves, like everybody loves a high five. So anyway, the event you're referring to, we do free coffee for bicyclists once a month on 25th and Clinton. We've been doing it for almost now six years. And so we had a meeting ish at one of our free coffee events. Oh, so okay. nice. Yeah. And then I guess they say the rest is history. Yeah. But um, by then, you know, I was kind of engrossed in the, New Portland racing community, and then with Kevin's place is really good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. Nice. Um, but uh, ended up working out really well. Yeah. And I think so. My first experience with pedal PT was actually probably back in 2013, 2014. I was going to say 12 or 13. Yeah, I bet. Right I mean, you, were, you were early, man. I yeah, I, 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 honestly, you honestly, like, yeah, yeah, totally, well, yeah. you look so like, and you still do look so established. <laughs> I, I just didn't Thank even you. think yeah. that it had maybe just been a year or so. But oh, what I remember right. is coming out. Um, off of a bike tour down in out of San Diego and had had just finished riding the coast and my knees were just agony and I think what you said to me when I first came in was um, wow your bike seat's really high like much higher than oh, yeah. it should be <laughs> and I think I think I remember you also saying that's like something that's relatively common within uh, biker biking within Portland even sure um, have you have you folks noticed or, or people coming in for fittings and such uh, what, what would be like the big three trends of like these are three things that uh, you totally. know, most yeah. commonly are, are misunderstood about oh, uh, fitting for cycling. I think that's great I, I think that's a great lead in Guthrie thank you so much um, yeah I mean I think in general this is just generalized I'm gonna say a lot of people have their saddle too high. 
Um, I think people just I'll be just, right back. I, I gotta mean, go adjust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, but I think the idea is the Allen key. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we, I didn't learn that. I didn't know that. But I think we assumed just like I'm pedaling a bike. I think my knee should be fairly straight at the bottom, mm-hmm. and a little bit of straight is okay. But actually, you want to be roughly about 35 degrees from straight. Uh, at the very bottom, if you go too far, you'll end up getting knee pain, hamstring pain, back of knee pain. Uh, that also leads to uh, the higher you are as well. You'll be shimmying and sliding back and forth uh-huh. on that saddle. You'll see people's hips rocking side to side when we're too high. That leads to back pain. Uh, sometimes people end up having saddle too high, and then that ends up then causing them to reach a little too far. So they'll come in with um, hand pain, mm. saddle pain, things like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most common things that we probably see is probably knee pain, back pain, neck pain. Okay. Followed shortly by paresthesias, meaning tingling numbness in either hands, um, saddle area, or feet would probably be the most common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, I mean, I think, I mean, we can kind of dive into specific areas if you'd like to, but like I said, anytime we, it also kind of just depends on kind of, there is specific places that we'd like the human body to actually articulate and touch that bike. Uh, there's specific places for the feet, specific places where our body should be on that saddle, where our pelvis and things like that should be position to put our back in a good position and then being able to pedal and being fairly quiet mm-hmm. uh, in the trunk and back uh, to allow good cycling. And it, it, I think it's really fun. In our clinic, it's super unique because I think when people think about bike fitting, the initial you know Picture, mental, like mental image that they see is someone and... someone in lasers and lycra and you know wind tunnels and all these crazy elite athletes Wait, but you don't have a wind tunnel we're working on that we're, <laughs> i've got a fan maybe we could throw on here or something but uh we have two fans open the front door find but, I, but I think, yeah, a hole out the back but i think the whole concept is, is that we're trying to bring to this is that you know we're on clinton avenue which sees 25 to three thousand bicycle trips a day so we're seeing commuters we're seeing mom with moms with their kids we're seeing people in bach feats we're seeing people in tandems we're seeing people in hand bikes we're seeing kind of the full gamut of kind of what cycling is and what cycling means to people Mm -hmm. and when we talk about our clinic or when i kind of talk about that we always talk about the power of the bicycle and we just i just really for me personally i just feel like cycling can change lives and it's changed our lives it's been such a huge part of our lives and everybody loves the bike for different reasons and whether you're a racer if you're a gravel rider, if you're getting into the bike packing, if whatever, we all have that appreciation for that bike, but there's certain parameters that we all deserve to have a good bike fit and we all deserve to ride pain-free. And I think that's kind of where I was trying to come at this and being, you know, everybody rides a bike, but when people think about bike fit, they're like, well, I'm not racing. Mm-hmm. I don't need a bike fit, you know? Mm-hmm. But the thing is like, I was a guy just riding three miles one day, every day, and my neck was hurting. And it was just something kind of silly like that that made me realize that it's all about posture. It's all about time. And it's all about what do you want to do on that bike and how do you want to enjoy cycling? And we just don't want pain to limit that those people from doing that. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, kind of bunny trail there. It got through. No, Sorry, you're buddy. Good. Yeah. You're good. So one thing I do want to, I want to ask or, or talk about is you mentioned, you know, you see all these different kinds of commuters. Does the way you fit somebody um, change depending on like what kind of, I don't know, not kind really, but... Um, yeah, the the type of biking, like if if they're on a Bach feats versus if they're, um, I, I want to say like just on a on a standard like upright commuter. Sure, you know, absolutely. Uh, I think the kind of the way we look at it is like as being physical therapists, we like to look at your body first. I mean, the reason everybody gets a bike fit is not because they want to buy a new equipment. I mean, let's just face it. The reason you go to a bike fit because you hurt. Like we don't want to go. So this concept or kind of how industry creates bike fitting or kind of how industry does is based on 
selling equipment when a lot of times people are there because they hurt. And so us as physical therapists, we can really evaluate your body and what your flexibility is like. And we're all super unique. You know, we all don't fit in the same box. So interesting enough, speaking about back feats, the most number one thing we see for people that have back feats, guess what their symptoms are? Let me think here. Most common. And it also is the same for Bromptons as well. We see a Wait, ton. Of, we see a ton of Bromptons as well. With back pain. Now I'm really. I, I, I want to say. I want to say you, shoulder pain. Okay, ish. Do you want to? No. <laughs> All right, we don't want to get a test. Uh, it's actually it's actually hand numbness is, oh, is the oh, funniest really? thing because a lot of times they're too high. A lot of times they're on a Brooks, and with a Brooks, you have to have, have actually have to have nose a little nose up. Right. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot more pressure on the hands. But nine times out of ten, I swear, we see a back feet. We see a back feet. All right, excuse me, back feet, Brompton, or even e-bike. A lot of your e-bikes are getting very invoked. Nine out of ten of those people, they come in with hand, numb, hand numb hands huh. uh, because they're not used to postures. They're not used to being leaned over, and they just assume and they kink those wrists back. But it's usually something with the hands, believe mm-hmm. it or not. It's, it's, it's interesting how each bike kind of usually presents itself to the common common things you'll see for those. But yeah, Bromptons, Bachfeets, and more your upright cycle folks. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that's a function of the... Is that a possible like swing in a in a slight miss by by manufacturers of those style of bikes? Like, it, would there be a way? Do Do you view it more as the bike creates the the problem, or 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 not? I guess problem. I'm just wondering if if there's something fundamentally uh, which came flawed first, about the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah, I guess that. I, I'm not you, sure. I mean, I would say in general, when we tend to look at people, someone that's going to be riding a more upright bike, a lot of times they're more early level into cycling a lot of times or maybe less experience and I'm, and I'm generalizing here a little bit and I think sometimes they don't understand um, posture they don't understand kind of where that is and they end up being fairly weak in the core as well so when we're flexed forward on a bike uh, we're not able to hold ourselves up I'm not quite sure but it usually tends to be our more I would say more on the novice end. Sometimes people are people that are like, I'm not a bike, I'm not a bicyclist. I drive a car. The, your entry level, a lot of times cyclists, the thing that allures a lot of people that are commuters is Copenhagen and upright bikes and things like that. And they like to kind of get into that. And I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a manufacturing thing because those bikes are very adjustable. Okay. But for that pure fact, they're almost sometimes. Uh, you know, speaking of Dutch bikes and things like that, sometimes your bars can be way too high. I think people, they don't realize that their bars can be too high. Uh, and a lot of times with these very slack head tube angles, these wide wheelbases, that the higher those bars go, it actually ends up pushing you backwards on the bike. And that ends up kind of tilting pelvis down to kind of hold yourself back. And a lot of times it leads to back pain as well. Oh, so yeah. I think I wrote a blog post back in 2012, 2013. It was like, can your bars be too high? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people are like, my neck hurts, my back hurts. Just raise your bars. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what everybody did. And so the idea is that... Is that like the Band-Aid solution? Sort, sort of like it'll work maybe for a little bit, but it doesn't doesn't solve the Generally underlying. speaking, it depends on what the symptoms are. Yeah, yeah if they're coming, in with, yeah, back, coming in with back pain and they're like, raise your bars, you're just going like, mm. to walk out of there with more back pain. Awesome. You know, and that's and that's kind of where it comes into being a PT. We look at posture. We look at, I mean, that's what we do all day long, whether they're cyclists or not. And so it's kind of one of those fun things like, oh, you have back pain. Oh, you're just obviously not upright enough. Yeah. Well, no, that's yeah, not I'm always gonna, the case. I'm going to sneak in here because that's a really good point that, or a segue that kind of leading into is one of the, I guess you can call it common, but it's more a compliment that we receive is the client goes and states that, wow, you only adjusted millimeters on the bike. That's what it comes down to. It's not so much because there's a lot of good advice on any bicycle magazine you pick up and every issue will have a fit advice. But what it comes down to is an objective set of eyes looking at you and really identifying that, okay, that is the thing that we need to adjust. And not it's not random at that point because, you know, only so many things can be adjusted. But 
what it comes down to is are you doing the right kind of adjustment mm. and it's no longer a guessing game you have someone that'll look at you so that's uh, I think it's very important the mm-hmm. whole thing mm-hmm. and, and when it all comes down to it is I always quote uh, our, our both of our mentors Eric Moen who's up in Seattle shout out to Eric Moen uh, great guy with bike PT so um, he had always said you know the bike is adjustable doesn't matter what bike it is but it's adjustable and the human body is adaptable the bike fit is basically just combining those two things. We have to find the marriage between those two. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of times it doesn't necessarily be like you walk out of there and like, my symptoms are gone. Somebody's like, give your body a little bit of time to adjust mm-hmm. to this. You've been pedaling hundreds of thousands of revolutions in this position. I just moved you, you know, sometimes four centimeters. I dropped that saddle because you were too high, Guthrie. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so, and, and so, and might, so it's going to take 10. a little time. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to take a little time for your body to adjust that. Sure. But again, as PTs, as physical therapists, that's what we do, man. We yeah, know that mm-hmm. the body adja- adapts mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. And so everybody's body's different. Everybody's bike's different. You know, somebody, somebody coming in with a Franken bike or these crazy bikes that, you know, I just inherited this bike from my brother and my back hurts, you know, and so we're trying to adjust that to the best. Is that the best bike for them? No. But can we adjust them so they'll be comfortable and ride to be able to go down to the bar or whatever they want to do? Yes. Mm-hmm. It all kind of depends on on time more than anything. Bike fit is based on time. As, mm-hmm. as I like to say, I, I give talks and things, and I always like to say, you know, if, if I were to ask you to go ride a clown bike, you know, like those little mini bikes that those little oh, clowns, yeah. and if I were to ask you to ride that bike just one block a day, you could probably do that, and your, and your body probably wouldn't hurt. But if I ask you to ride that clown bike for about a half mile mm-hmm. every day, then all of a sudden you would start developing pain and cycling is the same way is that we have certain adaptabilities that we can do over a certain range, but that's why we see cyclists and they say, I'm great. I'm great for 20 miles at mile 25. My knee is killing me mm-hmm. yeah. or at mile 75, my back starts hurting. Okay. And we start to kind of trickle that down is how much adjustment then needs to be made at that point. So if we see someone and they say, my symptoms come on within five minutes, Literally within five minutes, I am numb at my saddle area, and it is horrible. There's going to be some significant changes we need to make on that bike because it's very quick onset. Hmm. Now, if somebody comes in at mile 70, I get this lateral ankle pain just on the side. We might need to move that person's cleat perhaps two to three millimeters because it's tolerated tens of thousands of revolutions, and all of a sudden at mile 70, it starts talking. That We need to fine-tune that just to the smallest, smallest level. And when we see cyclists, these folks that do the dirty Kanzas or these, you know, cycle, you know, these events where they're riding 529 miles in 48 hours, the adjustments that we make on that bike are almost imperceptible to you and I, but for them combined with thousands and thousands and thousands of repetition, that is either the difference between I'm painful or I'm finishing that ride. Mm-hmm. And that's, like I said, that's where it kind of gets to really fun is that we see everything from grandmothers and we see everyone from the crazy rando folks that are out riding without sleep for you know 30 hours you know those so. are crazy I, yeah. we also we also put them on the clown bike for for around Clinton <laughs> before we fit yeah. in a loop yeah yeah we know so they give got... them some perspective that's right yeah get on this clown bike given given it being portland i have to ask have you ever fit for a tall bike well it's funny you mentioned that Guthrie. <laughs> okay. no. That, no, no no so this is the best part of this whole thing so three years ago i literally set out and i said my goal is to do a bike fit on a tall bike Nice. Literally, because I have, we have designed and built this trainer that will basically hold any kind of bike anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, we, I've had two, two people that were literally scheduled that were double, you know, the tall bikes, the, the double decker bikes. And one of which she, the, the first one that I was so excited because she had this beautiful bike, 
and I had a photographer and we were going to do photos and because it was going to just be yeah. funny to be doing yeah. bike fit with a tall bike and it's Portland and it's, and I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a, you know, a lot of your bike fitters are very, you know, super intense kind of type baby. Well, I'm just kind of like, I kind of like to laugh at myself anyway. So I'm like, oh, let's look, do this bike. She ended up canceling because she, she got called into work, you know, that uh, okay. day. And I was like, I was so pissed. So anyway, <laughs> so just this year we had somebody, uh, who works at a better cycle. Uh, who was going to come down <laughs> with their, their, their tall bike. And one thing led to another, and he ended up not coming in as oh, well. No, but anyway. No. So the, there's still a slot So to anybody fill. listening to this, if you want to come in, you've got a tall bike, hey, make it a triple-decker bike, whatever. Uh, w- I would love to fit you on it, and it's for free if you want to do it. So contact <laughs> me if you want to do that. We'll get some pictures. We'll It'll be awesome. But One so, time only, though. So that's the, that's the literally the <laughs> first that's, one, first serve. Yeah, that's literally kind of like one of those few bikes that's remained my like you know white whale out sure. there. I've yet to get a bike okay. fit on as well. But most other things, I think we've we've done a lot of bike fits. I mean, we've done bike fits on uh, people with amputees that have e-bikes that are still huh? pedal bikes, but they have bilateral amputees, hand bikes, uh, recumbent bikes, recumbent tandems. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. I mean, you, yeah. So, so. It, as, as someone who works at a bike shop, I think one of the most common questions that we get from just people kind of walking in off the street is, Hey, is this bike any good? And you can, you can certainly speak oftentimes towards the componentry level of that. But I think one of the things that's most often overlooked is, um, part of whether something's a good value or not is, does it fit you? And so mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of found myself just as a general rule, recommending people ride at least 30 minutes to an hour on any bike that they intend to buy. Um, and, and the reasoning behind that simply is you, you can't really tell what's going to feel good at 15. You can maybe start to tell at 30, but it's really spending enough time in it to be able to identify things. Do you have any any sort of rule of thumb or, or for people who aren't as confident about maybe getting into biking, who are kind of concerned that they might not be able to um, find the right fit and that they're just going to be out this huge amount of money for something that's uncomfortable and unpleasant to ride? Do you have any tips or, or sort of recommendations for folks um, based on your experience? Well, one, one thing I'll say, and I'll let Ish kind of comment on the general things we see, but um, one thing that we did to try to remedy that, because I think that's a big concern for a lot of people that don't ride a lot and understand, is that we have what's called a Calfee size cycle, where we are actually able to manipulate uh, the length of the top tube, actually oh. to manipulate the tube angles, that we can actually mimic geometry of bicycles on this essentially a stationary bike. So we get people, we always used to get these calls and no one could ever answer. Be like, I'm in, I'm in between these three bikes and I don't know which I want. I got which one I want to get. And so we're like, well, come on in. We'll set you up on the side cycle and we can actually put this geometry on here. The tricky thing a lot of times with advising the public is there is no universal measuring system for bicycles yeah a 54 centimeter bicycle is not a 54 centimeter bicycle is not a 54 centimeter there's no universal measuring mm-hmm. so one you know one company you know let's take surly for example long haul truckers oh this is a 56 long top tube yeah mm-hmm. it should long call it long top, top tube, tube trucker because <laughs> because people come in and they're like well i'm always a 56 and i was like well yeah you probably have like a 56 or a 57 top tube on that so therefore they get yeah. into these engines so what we can do is try to break down all those geometry tables and put on. I mean, one time we had a guy that was training for an Ironman, like a full Ironman. He wanted to buy, you know, a seven thousand, eight thousand uh, dollar arrow frame, you know, arrow bike, uh, time trial bike. And sure enough, he was a very large man. He's six five, and literally, there's only like three bikes he mm. sent to me, and only one of them would have even come close uh, to fitting him. Wow. So he would have bought either one of these bikes. But it, again, it kind of gives peace of mind that we can help being an advocate and educating them on uh, bike geometry, things of that too. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the size of fit is great. Um, But what I usually recommend the the clients who ask, and it's typically someone that is 
uh, let's just say, either finishing up therapy for some quote-unquote bad cycling experiments, then the night is kind of issue flare up. And I really don't like this bike and I think it's off. And, and let's say you couldn't remedy, remedy the fit for some reason. And they do need a bigger frame or a smaller frame. Or it's just someone that wants to buy a new bike. So what I usually recommend is, is typically in the shop, they can put you in a, in a fairly good um, frame size. You know, maybe it's a size too small or a size too big. But those are adjustments that you can clearly and easily make on on those bikes. And that's what usually puts the patient or the client in, in a bit of an ease. And um, for the ones that really want to dial it in, the size or fit is great because um, you can literally mimic anything, any kind of angle on the bike from the crank uh, crank arms and everything else. So, yes, I think that it's great. Mm-hmm. It really gives uh, those, those those patients and clients uh, a peace of mind because what it comes down to, and, and you know, there's a bunch of YouTube videos out there, you know, people, you know, you know, cursing and on, is it a 58 or 56? What am I, you know? <laughs> and then having their identity crisis there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think most shops are um, are really good at putting you in the, in the right frame and then, uh, unless they really try and sell you that one bike that they can get rid of. But um, gotcha. it's on sale. It's you on got sale. It. <laughs> I, I was able to save $200 on this one, so I got this size, yeah. three sizes too big, even though, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like um, most clients, we can put them in the right bike and without, you know, making any major equipment changes, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I would say too, Guthrie, when you're talking to those clients, the key question is, is what do you want to do on the bike? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, you know, there's so many people out that, that are, are everyday cyclists that ride 365 days a year, but never ride more than 10 miles a day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what they are. So, I mean, it, it kind of comes down into time. Is this a great bike for me? Well, what do you want to do with it? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we get asked that all the time. Like, what kind of bike should I get? Well, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to ride in the wintertime? Are you going to ride in all the weather? Do you want to be able to put racks on it? Do you want to be able to go bikepacking? Like, if you live in Portland, do you want to put fenders on it? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to put fenders on it if you, you live yeah, in Portland. Either sure. that or rain pants. <laughs> you, you choose. Or both sometimes, you know? <laughs> I think something that has been a bit of a boon as of recent, and uh, I know we've ragged on Surly just a little bit during this episode, but one thing that... That's all right. Thank oh, you I, love, I love Surly. No, no, I, mean, I have no offense against Surly. No, they just a have a long topic. It's been to a hearty, well-jived rag. Yeah. I think that what's kind of neat about cycling circa 2018, as compared to maybe even 10 or 15 years ago, is there are options on the market. And Surly kind of made themselves a brand out of making bikes that nobody else was really addressing. So one of the neat things about just getting into it right now is that not only um, is there a lot of knowledge accumulated around that, but there's actually bikes that will meet most needs. Whereas as specific or as general as you want. It definitely has has not always been the case. So that's pretty nice, I think. Um, I, I did want to get into, uh, and I, I think the question may have already been answered, but to just kind of maybe hammer the point home and, and make it more blatant, um, why do you need, or why would one need a, uh, physical therapist specifically for biking? Um, and would any physical therapist, um, do, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I think, it, I think it kind of, for me, it kind of comes into, um, you know, it was always, I would always go to clinics and they would, we'd have bike commuters and, um, and they would do everything to remedy their symptoms. But the person's like, well, my knee still hurts on the bike. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll keep rehabbing your knee. Um, mm. but until you actually put that person in a situation, uh, to actually visualize them actually being on their bicycle, you have no idea what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like when uh, I used to work at a clinic and we'd do run analysis and it was the same thing. And you'd, you know, I have knee pain when I'm running. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's rehab this, and then eventually we'd look at them run, 
and you'd be like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, like you'd look at somebody like skinny and thin and long and you expect them just to be like this gazelle running. And there's just like herky jerky, like, you mm. know, like, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so again, it comes into is a lot of times PT clinics don't have the abilities or trainers and things of like that to actually set up bicycles in that. So I think that's a big player. There's also very common scenarios that uh, physical therapists, like I said, there is absolutely no education in any PT program, medical program, and I'm actually working to change that, but um, that there's a lot of common scenarios that people don't know. I mean, I just, uh, even though you're a PT, that's great. You know the body well, but again, if you don't know sports-specific mechanics and things like that, um, you're just not going to get it. The same sure. product is kind of is kind of where I would go with that. So, when you were just getting into it, did you did you have any like aha moments where you kept encountering this this same problem over and over again? But eventually, it just kind of clicked. Sort of that that uh, matchup between the two, both biking and PT, just right. coming together. It's true. I mean, as PTs, we just know anatomy and we know the body, and so I mean, now we've gotten to the point where like you know through our so we go through an interview process, we go through medical history, and then we actually go through a range of motion screening. We're actually evaluating that person and by the time we are done talking to them i pretty much have an idea what i'm going to see on their bike just because there's common scenarios that lead to common symptoms and things like that so like a lot of times by the time we get in there i will say like oh well you know a lot of times when i see folks with bromptons we see hand numbness and a lot of times it's related to being saddled too high and nose down just throwing that out there that's kind of commonly what we see well sure enough we walk out there we put the bike in the trainer and then that's kind of what we see Mm -hmm. so i think it's the ability to i think what's clicked for me is the ability to like I can talk to somebody or I can see somebody riding and literally be like, drop your saddle by six millimeters. That's all you need. And that's mm-hmm. it. I mean, I think it's just as you do it so much, I think our office has seen, you know, for somebody like us, we've seen probably over 1200 bike fits in six years. Um, you know, we see everything and, and tons of things. And they, eventually you just get this kind of click, like I pretty much kind of know what we're probably going to see for this, <laughs> but everybody's body is different. Everybody's uh, anatomy is different. Everybody has a different health history too. And then combine that with everybody has a different bike, might be right fit for them or might not. Not So it's, to me, I just love the puzzle about it because there is a way to make that work. And, you know, people come in with, I've got a four level fusion in my back. I've also had a knee replacement, a hip resurfacing, uh, go. Here's my, here's my road bike. You know, yeah. and it's, so it's just kind of like, oh, okay. I can see why you came to me because I'm a PT and you've got a lot of orthopedic injuries. And, um, I know I'm bunny trailing here, but I, the last comment I want to say is just, the beauty of cycling is we can ride into forever, into our old age, uh, and we can continue to do this, and there's adaptability to this bike. And that's what I love is that cycling is a lifelong sport, and it's great for people uh, to keep healthy, to keep active, to keep weight loss, um, all those beneficial things. And so I think that's why I'm in it is just to keep people riding and uh, because we all love it so much, you know. So I'm going to make um, a little bit of a car analogy. I apologize for the cars. You're good. Um, I should, you apologize on behalf of the cars or I'm you apologize for I mean, no, it's fine. I'm just bringing the cars into the, this podcast. Yeah. But, um, this analogy I often use with patients who are, whether or not cycling or non cycling specific. Um, the nice thing about PT that brings everybody, everybody to the same table is into one person or, you know, one clinic, who knows? Um, is it treating a person in front of you? You know, that's has their own values, own setup or subjective, um, experience in life and then your job is to first of all tell them that their engine is not working properly their alignment is not working properly and they're just a bad driver in general (laughs) (laughs) and that's what it comes down to is you have to address all of those things in a manner that's professional sensitive uh with empathy 
and also you, but at the same time you have to be somewhat stern otherwise they're just you know not to let's say walk over you but you have to be sort of like the the driver of this treatment plan that you're gonna mm-hmm. give it to give you're to the them. mechanic pretty much to go with this metaphor mechanic yeah. and also the the race car train i don't know what to call it anymore, <laughs> this car analogy i'm getting lost but it's but it's but it's what it comes down to is it's it's a very complex issue and it comes down to you know teaching a human being about these things and and all the times people come in and they have a certain expectation and and just talking to them for 30 you know not so much we're talking to them the whole time but just spending 10 minutes and really spending time with them and educating what's going on and 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 you maybe didn't do anything, but the fact that you're understanding what's going on already lowers the level of anxiety. And then that's the huge thing, because some of these symptoms is is really not so much the fit in general, but the fact that they get on the bike and have this experience in the past that oh my gosh, I bought this thing to give me to get me less stressful, and now I'm more stressful, mm. and my life suffers. And then back to my car analogy, I have, I got these people in the back seat talking to me and telling me what to do. And that's why you have to kind of address the whole thing. You're not just addressing the biker or the um, the person, but also the lifestyle. Mm. And you have to sort of becomes a holistic approach with, with physical therapy that some of the other um, healthcare professionals don't have, or not to this extent. Um, sure, I feel like yeah, yeah. And, and another thing I'll add, and I'm sorry, I'm getting long winded on this, but um, <laughs> so bucks time. T- <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's do it, baby. Uh, that's I, what podcasts are for. So, yeah. you know? That's true. Get that's true. Your, we got another, get yeah, yeah, right, fine. Yeah. Edit this out if you want. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, another thing. But I think, but I think <laughs> that another thing that I that I really feel that holds a lot of physical therapists back from doing bike fit is they don't have wrench skills or the ability to actually ah. adjust the bicycle itself. Mm-hmm. That's where I really think it comes down to, because I was that person too. And it's just like, ah, oh, I don't know what's even adjustable on this bike. Oh, you can move it like that. And I think that's where the bike shop, you know, folks that end up doing bike fit know so much about, but, but they put bikes together. They're very comfortable adjusting brake levers and things mm-hmm. like that, that PT, just getting into that bike mechanic mindset and using hex wrenches and torque wrenches and mm-hmm. carbon and everything else and being careful with all that. That takes its own level of experience and education too. That I think, yeah. as far as healthcare practitioners, yeah, you might have a bike trainer, but oh, you got somebody in with this beautiful dogma, you know, <laughs> you know carbon bike. <laughs> you don't even have a torque wrench or anything like that, and you just crack that frame or yeah. some of that. Yeah. Or people don't know about. Oh, I got to take this through axle out, and they don't understand that. So I think it's just, I think the PT a lot of times is limited by their bicycle equipment knowledge. Like they probably know ideally what this person's posture should be. They probably know what's causing their pain, but without actually combining that with the wrenching skills and the ability to actually be like, nope, that was too low with the saddle. You only need to adjust it like three millimeters, like mm. tiny stuff. They don't, yeah. that's where the, I think that the PT and the bike world, that's where it kind of interacts. Uh, that maybe is intimidating for the, your other healthcare <laughs> practitioners to actually do that is actually have wrench skills. You're, you're bringing back memories of me the first like month or two I worked at the bike shop and we didn't <laughs> actually have a torque wrench at that oh, time. Yeah, there you so go. I was like, huh, well... Okay. That feels like five uh, meters. Here, here, here we go. Yeah, sure. Maybe yeah, I'll just try yeah. like these other four bolts. Well, those all feel pretty much the same. Yeah, I think yeah. I'll just bring it up to yeah, tension. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I'm glad those days are past, but <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You make a great point. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Ish and Kevin, thank you yeah, so thanks. much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And uh, if folks are looking to follow the adventure past this episode, where can they find you? Uh, they can find us, uh, you know, I think uh, the primary platform that we use the most uh, would be Instagram. Uh, you can find us at, at pedal underscore PT. My handle is just at pedal PT. Uh, we're also on Facebook backslash pedal PT, uh, Twitter backslash pedal PT. 
um, all those areas and our website and, and our, on, on Clinton Street and we're all well of <laughs> course yes uh, I was going to say our website www.pedalpt.com but we're also on 25th and Clinton Avenue right in Southeast right there and uh, like I said once a month we do free coffee for bicyclists actually next Tuesday the 26th I think that's the 26th 24th 26th uh, we'll be doing free coffee for bicyclists out there if you want to nice. come down and, and join us guys cool yeah. thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show yeah. once again thank thanks you. for yeah. having yeah. us yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love, I love. Don't don't ever use that. Ha <laughs> ha! Don't worry, Tim. We will. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Always and forever. Uh, the second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also, the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. The last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month here in Portland, the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. All right. July 16th. This will probably be over by the time you're listening to this, but I thought I'd mention it. Is that tonight? No. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) It's in two days. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, The LaFarte 2. Lad's fastest alley race trial to the second LaFarte ride or race, as it were. Uh, be there at 930 or before rules announcement at 945 race starts at 10 sharp exclamation point, not 10 o'clock relaxed. You, you know what they <laughs> say about LaFarts. The first uh, one's never good enough. Yeah, that's right. This is run by our good friend Eric Iverson. It is a uh Alley Cat race through Lads edition here in Portland. Dig it. Um Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I've committed myself to writing it, even though I have Dungeons and Dragons that very night, it's gonna end just early enough for me to make it just in time to hear the rules and get going. I think it's uh it's very nice too for folks from out of town portland actually doesn't have that many alleyways so it's actually kind of hard to do a true alley cat here within the city yeah um or at least within they, i guess i'm thinking they within go like on, the 30s though. or 40s like, I, I see them a lot mm-hmm. i mean i see them posted on on events pages oh and yes stuff. the races yeah. but the yeah. alleys alleys to find to race upon uh, are, yes. are slightly harder to come by here in town yes july 22nd the sunday parkways downtown Yes. That's going to be sweet. A downtown version. I, I don't know if this is the first year they've done it. This is at least the first year I'm cognizant of them doing yeah, it. Yeah. I, t- I, would, I would agree with that. I, yeah. Or at least based on my knowledge of it, usually it's more neighborhood-based. Um, but I think that Sunday Parkway's downtown. Yeah. Let's get eight, eight yeah. to 10,000 or 40 or 50,000 people. This is going to be amazing. So it. it's... Uh, It'll be the first Sunday Parkways I can attend. It's not Because I'll all be downtown totally, that day. Yeah, it's not all totally... Oh, you should totally take a tour through there. Oh, yeah. I'll probably just take lunch a and come book. join. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not all completely downtown. It's... They're calling it the Green Loop. Okay. And it's uh, downtown and some of the inner east side. Nice. So you... I don't know what the bridge is that they go over my guess would be the tilicum and the steel Mm -hmm. um but yeah you end up going over two bridges they should try ross island bridge just for shits and giggles (laughs) just that'd be the way to do it just shut the entire time to be able yes yes or or, uh make it like two 
a two lane bridge. So yep. it's just one, one car lane for each direction. And then the other two lanes for biking and walking. That'll be Sunday Parkways 2019. <laughs> Coming soon. You heard it here first. <laughs> August 7th. The National Night Out. Yes. Register with your city or municipal agency your National Night Out. August 19th, the Portland Century. And September 2nd, the Tour de Lab. Where you can still get, I can't remember how much off, a certain amount off. $5 off. $5 off your registration if you enter Sprocket18 in the coupon code. On September 8th through September 9th, the Bike MS 150. September 22nd, the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race. And upcoming Film by Bike tour dates. Albany, New York, July 22nd. Seattle, Washington, and Vancouver to be announced. Arcata, California, November of 2018. And Bendigo, Australia, October of 2018. And if you're listening to this and asking yourself, why are there only eight or so events on the calendar? Well, that's where you come in. Do you have Please. an event that we haven't listed? We would love to tell people about it so that you can have a great time. And uh, yeah, shoot us a note. And we'll have, put it on. If you happen to notice, much of what we talk about in the calendar section doesn't exactly happen in Portland. We are happy to register your or to talk about your event no matter where you're from. Let us know how we can help you get the word out about bike fun and bike-related events as a whole. And now for... What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. You know, I was, I was thinking on what could compare to the thrill of a band, brand new bike, and you know what occurred to me, Aaron? What's that? A pain-free brand new bicycle. Oh, that would be. That'd be. Yes, that'd be that just would be the, quite the comparable. Yes, <laughs> it's like the cherry, or yes, the cream on top. You, and the you cherry. said that already. You're it's good. the cream and the cherry. It's the on heat. Top. It's getting to us. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the, we announced this last week, but I'm keeping it in here again just to drive the pun point home a little bit more we're still live on stitcher um yeah the sprocket podcast if you are a fan of stitcher as your podcast aggregator the sprocket podcast is there and we will be posting a link again and now for we got mail hey we got mail yes Thomas Skato has a spinlister question. Does anyone know the status of spinlister? I was ready to list some bikes this spring and saw the farewell message. Now, the site appears to be running again. However, the farewell message is still posted on the site. Yeah! Great question, Thomas. <laughs> so I was on the site exploring, and uh, I didn't try to rent a bike, but I went through the motions, mm. and I pretty much could still go ahead and do that. Oh, really? I didn't try to list a bike. Okay. Um, but it, it's true. Like, the the announcement that they're closing, um, which we talked about earlier um, some time ago, is still there. Interesting. So, it's like all the mechanics and the coding is for, for uh, renting or listing your bike are still there. However... There is that announcement. So my guess is you're going to get to a certain point listing or renting, and it's just going to say, like, 
Can't do, can't do that. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, it's almost like so. The other other explanation would be the the cord was pulled so quickly that they didn't actually want to pay somebody to make it non functional. Like it was actually oh, just easier. Yeah, because you to, have to do that, don't you? Well, I mean, someone's got to push a b- button or, or recode something. It, yeah. Like maybe they they so much they're like, ah, oh, we're just going to pay somebody for the announcement. All the back end that's gonna that's just gonna sit there. Who knows? <laughs> It'll eventually fade away. Let us know. I don't know. Have uh, you rented a bike on Spinlister <laughs> lately? <laughs> right. Or, or people of Spinlister, if you happen to be listening to us, uh, yeah, let us know what's up. I'm sure I could really just figure this out with an email. Oh, but. <laughs> it's all good. They're probably too busy vac- vacationing in the Bahamas. <laughs> yes. Uh, Will Van Lu sent us a picture. And it says, this bottle of Sprocket Lubricant made me think of you. Will Van Lu was a former guest from episodes 132, 36, and 304. And there it is, a picture of premium lubricant. Oh, Chain bar and Sprocket Lubricant. What Sprocket do you think they are referring to? Because it looks like chainsaw oil uh, to me, but I, I, I'm yeah, absolutely I'm, prepared I, to be I'm wrong. I'm not familiar with, I mean... I'm expecting to see like a 5W30 or something by mm-hmm. the shape of that canister, but that is that is definitely not motor oil. It does say power care, which makes me feel comforted. That oh, because it's the oil. power care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to kind of put this on the front end of the show because uh, this would make a great transition. You know what the sprocket lubricant, the official sprocket lubricant is. Portland City Commissioner's Tears. Oh, ooh. <laughs> oh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Drinks oh. from the beer mongers oh. at Southeast Division of no, 12. No, it's probably, it's probably that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great. <laughs> not, not sure where that came out from, but uh, I, I, guess, I guess we were on different pages there for a second. We, we certainly were. <laughs> well, <laughs> that leaves us with a fine audio postcard. From Chris R. Yeah, have you happened to listen to this? I've not. I I almost wish the guys from Pedal PT were here to listen to this because uh, it it mentions uh, being part of the the spandex crowd, which oh, yeah. we we maybe make fun of, and I apologize. It's all in I fun. Think, I think we're it's pretty, all. Um, I feel like we're pretty circumspect. I think we're pretty circumspect, and I hope like nobody's personally offended by our small jabs. Yeah. At the spandex crowd. I guess it's, it's I've always felt more is that you it's I felt like on the spandex issue, I've always been more of a you do you and yeah, I am and, and I, I am absolutely doing me, and that doesn't necessarily include spandex. Okay. But that is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely <clears throat> I I def I'm I don't know. I, I should probably I'm try trying it. I'm trying to like toe the line here <laughs> without because I know I have made fun of that crowd and and again, like I hope nobody took it too personally i guess i mean it's, how 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 best to um make make fun of one crowd but aaron you're, you're wearing spandex in the studio today that's true so you, you so just got there those, you have those shorts and your your bib on <laughs> you're ready to roll so there you go i guess we're all hypocrites <laughs> <laughs> including myself or i should say especially myself um anyways here's an audio postcard Alright, Sprocket Podcast. As you guys asked for, I'm making a quick little audio diary. And here's why I'm making an audio diary today. Let's go back in time to a couple of years ago. 
and I started listening to you guys because I knew Brock and he put some funky podcast out there on Facebook. So listen to you guys and realized I need to start riding my bike because I'm a fat ass. And that was my motivation. You see, where I live, I'd love to live in a more urbanized society, but everything is 20, 30 miles realistically for what I do. But so I got on my old mountain bike, started riding that. Then after about a year, I decided to buy a real bike. Bought some gravel grinders. Specialized, which I'm on now. Then decided I want to ride more on the road. The whole time listening to you guys. The point is, I know you guys talk about not being big fans of spandex or lycra. And I get it. I kind of joke around about the lycra brigade myself, but there's something about jumping into some lycra, some spandex, going out for 20, 30, 40 miles. A little bit of part of you, you're a fat ass like me, feels a little bit like Superman. I love it. And not to say that we're not brothers being sisters, because we are. Anyhow, a couple of days ago, I crossed the line and I bought biking shoes. I've been using straps and flat pedals, but now I'm wearing some real clip-in bike shoes, SPD clips, nothing crazy, and it's amazing. And even though I'm a dork in Lycra, I'm riding best two hours of my week. You guys, I have you to thank for keeping me inspired. Keep rocking on. Sprocket. Wow. Yeah, wasn't that great? Thanks, Chris. That was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get myself a pair of spandex and lycra. Oh, that's, that's pushed me over the edge. <laughs> See? Possibly some SPD. That's awesome. Shoes. Thank uh, you. Thank we, you so much, Chris. We do have one more piece of mail. This is a text um, that was sent to me personally from a past guest, but I do have permission to share this with the rest of the world. And this is from Jesse, who was on, gosh, it was in the four tens somewhere. Hmm. Um Anyways, uh, she says, thanks for having an episode on pregnancy and biking. It was helpful, and I was glad to hear that there's other people doing it. At five mu- I'm at five months, and I rode 25 miles for ALS yesterday, and the podcast was just in time because I didn't have a whole lot of supporting information out there, and I was a little afraid to even do that. But I was fine. It was easy. And even in the sun, I just listened to my body and stayed hydrated. Nice. Yeah, isn't that That's amazing? Awesome. That's so great. Good Thank you Jesse. for writing in, Jesse. And yes, you're a machine. This is so great that people, um, I don't know, yeah, people are, are refusing to let convention, I mm-hmm. guess, call the shots and allowing their bodies to call the shots yeah. with them. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I, I would love to hear more stories because I feel like there's still the consensus has yet to be reached. 
we're we're still oh, working most our definitely, way. Yeah. So if you've if you've got feedback or or tell us your stories of cycling while pregnant, um, that's that's excellent. I'm I'm really happy that Jesse got out there. And now we've reached the end, but don't worry, we'll be back. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to Ish, Ish. and Kevin. Yep. I was so afraid I was going to get that wrong. You got it. You <laughs> Don't know why. It. Well done. Uh, but yes, thanks to Ish and Kevin from Pedal PT for joining us. Thank you for listening. And here is our credits. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio. Thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina Malamgard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean. Richard Bozinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish. Matt Kelly, Eric Wise, Todd Parker. Dan Gebhardt. Who's, Who's a, a time, time traveler? Dave knows. Chris Smith. Christy Kaster. Caleb Jacobson. J.P. Cooley. Peanut butter jar. Matt. Marco Lowe. Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado. Drew the welder. Anna. John. Uh, have fun in Salt Lake City. Oh. <laughs> John Wasserman. I don't have a good tag for that. Hi, hi, Anna. We hope you're having a great time in Salt Lake City. John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division. Josh Jason, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who helped me out with that tagline. I am sweaty and delirious. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery. Campsite, Magners, David, Nathan, Bolton. Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Florney, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugel, E.J. Finneran, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, thanks for the mail, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Uh, Brett Hipwell No wait I just said that Derek Wagner It's the heat Jason Oftenberg Microcosm Publishing David Moore Todd Grosbeck Chris Barron Chris Barron Chris Barron Sean Baird Simon Gregory Braithwaite Ryan Morrow Jimmy Diesel Dude Luna Matthew Rooks And Marshall And thanks to all of our former donors Who helped us get this far Now brush your teeth And go to bed Oh,